You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. A number of opportunities for master's level pharmacologists exist in the pharmaceutical industry, biotechnology companies, government agencies, research laboratories, and academic programs. Introducing the Master of Science in Pharmacology program from the University of California, Irvine, UCI. The knowledge acquired in the Master of Science in Pharmacology program would also benefit those seeking employment in industry or advancement in teaching, technical and scientific writing, patenting, or pharmaceutical sales and marketing. Fall registration is now open. Apply today at sites.uci.edu slash mspharmacology to learn more and reserve your seat by June 15th, 2020. That's sites.uci.edu slash mspharmacology and reserve your seat today. The deadline is June 15th, 2020. Welcome to the Income Outcome Show, a podcast publication part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. The Income Outcome Show is dedicated to pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, pharmacy students, and all pharmacy professionals interested in maximizing their income and providing insights into living a financially free lifestyle. Waypoint Strategic Advisors, LLC, is not affiliated with or endorsed by any government agency and are not engaged in the practice of law. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consider an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. And now here are your hosts of the Income Outcome Show, Ben Coakley with Waypoint Strategic Advisors and Joe Castleman with Pharmacist Financial. Hey everybody, Ben Coakley here, host of the Income Outcome Show. I am with my partner in crime, Joe Castleman. Say hi, Joe. Hey everybody, how you doing today? Awesome, awesome. And we have a special guest host. We've got Matthew Coakley. Uh, Matt, say hi to everybody. Hey everyone, hope you're having a great day. Awesome, and if you haven't realized, we share the same last name, and Matt is the second best looking Coakley on the call today. And uh, there um, we, go. we uh, yeah, of course, I had to get that in, Matt. You know how we do this. Um, we have a special guest today. We have Diana Harshbarger from East Tennessee with us, and she is running for Congress. All right. So, hi, hi, Diana. How are you today? Hello, fellas. I'm doing great. How about you? We're doing, doing awesome. Well. We're doing awesome. We are super excited to have you. We're super excited that um, we're going to get to send another pharmacist to, to Congress. That is, um, well, that is awesome. That's great news. Well, that's my prayer and that's my hope that I will get to join Buddy Carter, the only pharmacist in Congress here very, very soon. That is, that is awesome. And, you know, we talk about hope and creating a future for pharmacy diana a lot on our um in our business and um and, and i can't imagine uh, a better way to inspire hope and a better future than to get another pharmacist in congress and, and i think this needs to be a movement i think it, it needs buddy kind of started this let's get diana there and let's keep this thing going let's keep it going and uh and, and make it happen so so Diana, tell us a little bit about your about your backstory, where you are, uh, and what you're maybe looking to do moving forward. Okay, well, I, I so agree with you about making this a movement. Um, I've already got a youth, youth movement here in Tennessee. A lot of young um, young people that want to cast their first vote in their lifetime for me as a congresswoman, and I think that's pretty imperative. 
just to know that these guys would back me. And, uh, you know, I've mentored going into my background. I've been a pharmacist for 33 years and a small business owner for the past 30. And, you know, my specialties happen to be um, taking care of patients on a daily basis. I ship out to different areas outside of Tennessee because I'm not just a regular pharmacist. I am a compounder as well. But, you know, as, as a small business owner and a healthcare provider, you get to mentor a lot of young students and a, a lot of young people. And just to give them the, the future for pharmacy is bright as far as they're concerned. They, uh, you know, there's things that they do that, uh, that we didn't even have a chance to do 30 some years ago. I was the third PharmD class at Mercer University uh, School of Pharmacy in Atlanta. And, you know, mentoring these young kids and just seeing uh, how our industry's changed in 30 years is amazing. My son is also a pharmacist. He uh, went to the same pharmacy school. And as a matter of fact, a little backstory on that, I was, my husband's a pharmacist. I was a year, uh, I graduated a year after him, but I was pregnant in pharmacy school. So you work full time, you go to school full time, and you, you have a family full time before you even graduate. That sets you up to be pretty tough. And that's why I didn't want them to say for Congress on my logo, I wanted to say Tennessee tough because as a woman, and, uh, you know, we wear many hats as a business owner, a mother, um, I have two small grandchildren and uh, bottom line, um, you know, the future is bright in my eyes anyway. And that's why I raised my hand and said, choose me to go to Washington and uh, stand up for our profession. You know, the students that I've mentored, uh, this, these are some of the ideas that they see that that's going to make the future bright for them. There's a lot of different residencies they can do now, like um Pharmacogenomics is one of them. There's, uh, you know, some of them, that's, that's a huge thing. I do a lot of compounding and I'm, you know, my expertise has been in women's health and, uh, you know, the drug information and uh, just getting dual degrees. These guys are just rampant. They'll go for their MBA, their PharmD or their JD. And I think another uh, bright spot for pharmacists are board certifications in certain pharmacy specialties. You know, that's huge. My daughter-in-law is a pharmacist at the VA, and she did her residency there. And she's over the, the residence uh, here in Johnson City, as a matter of fact, at the VA. You know, there's board certifications that we can do, like ambulatory care. Our population is uh, aging, and you see that in your business in the financial industry, and we see it in, in the pharmacy industry, especially in this district. I mean, the first district of Tennessee, and it's a ruby red district. I mean, uh, we lean very um, red and to the right, and uh, you know, I, I know that if I win my primary, I win the general. And so that's why it's so important. I'm the only healthcare provider running, and healthcare is a huge issue um, in the minds of voters here in America, in our district as well as the country. But, uh, you know, because we're frontline, you know, provider status is huge. A lot of these uh, advocacy groups are pushing for, for provider status for us pharmacists because. As we move forward, you know, we're the communicators and the educators, and, you know, we're not valued for that. So if they would give us provider status, that would be fantastic. And, uh, you know, getting involved in the legislative advocacy is, is huge in our industry, and that's what I've done for over 20 years. You go to Capitol Hill, 
you talk to the congressmen and the congressmen women and say, hey, we need this done, you know, but sometimes you go and they say yes, but they shake their head no. And so um, the only way you can combat that is to talk to them one-on-one. And that's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, we want to make raving fans of those congressmen and women to say, hello, we're here. Help us with our industry. Help us do the things that we need to do because there's a whole lot of things I'd love to get into as far as um, what we're trying to fight as far as our profession goes that, you know, it, it'd be very beneficial to have another uh, pharmacist in Congress. Yeah, it's uh, what did, um, now what does Buddy Carter say? You either get a seat at the table or... Uh, or, or you're on the menu. Or you're on the menu, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You better believe it. That's it, Buddy. I talk to him on a regular basis. He says, Diana, I need help. And he has a grasp on the you know, the issues that face uh, community pharmacy, retail pharmacy, but he doesn't have a grasp on what we face as compounding pharmacists. Yeah. There's a lot of issues with the FDA we need to, we need to address. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Joe, I know you were, you, you and I were talking some of the pre-planning that we were doing uh, for the, for this podcast about, you know, COVID-19 and, and pharmacists not really getting, getting much love yeah. Uh, in this and, whole and the role. recognition, yeah, the yeah, recognition. recognition. I mean, yeah. go, go ahead. And I think you had a question you wanted to ask about that. Well, yeah. So, Diane, I, I work with a lot of the staff pharmacists and at Waypoint, uh, and Ben and Matt do more of the, the pharmacy owners. But uh, you know, they intrinsically know their value, and that's why they got into the profession in the first place. But lately, they a lot of them have been very discouraged, uh, feeling like they're not being represented or recognized as far as you know being part of the front line. Uh, and they're the, they're the ones that probably have to deal with it the most. And one of the things that we are trying to help them is realize, you know, the big picture and how the future of pharmacy down the road, how bright it is going to be, like you mentioned. But, you know, what what would you kind of say to, to mid-career staff pharmacists who loves his, his profession, but maybe has gotten to the point where they're, they're really struggling? What, what would you kind of, what kind of advice would you give them some hope? Well, you know, you, they do have to be encouraged because uh, if you look at everything as far as reimbursement, some of the things we're dealing with, the, with the PBMs and the DIR fees that are just absolutely, they're scouring the earth with us. Yeah. You know, you have to, to let them know that uh, they are experts and their knowledge is very valuable. We just want to be paid for that. You know, we, we should be seen as the overseer, the one who manages the entire patient care of, of uh, the individual. You know, we want a um, multidisciplinary approach is what we're touting. That's why they want provider status. All the younger pharmacists that are getting ready to graduate or have graduated, they see that as the future of pharmacy. And, uh, you know, going into these uh, areas, you know, pharmacists are the nation's most accessible healthcare professionals, and we're the first touch point of any kind of patient engagement with the healthcare system. When you think about 90% of Americans live within five miles of the community pharmacy, that's huge. What are we? We are the first line of defense. They come to us before they'll go to a health, another healthcare provider. And the reason is we're, we're so accessible, you know, and they value us. And we're one of the most trusted professionals in the country. And, you know, 
I was talking to a colleague the other day and I thought, it just hit me, I thought, I'm going from the most trusted profession to the least trusted profession. And that's probably not a good thing. Yeah, I, I yeah. have to look at it in another way. <laughs> yeah, Diana, that's the question I have. What are you doing? Why would you want to do this to yourself? <laughs> um, well, you know. I, I mean, I look at it, you know, our profession's at stake for one thing, but uh, honestly, our, you look at everything our nation's gone through and we're at a tipping point. You've got people who just want to make this nation unrecognizable. And I, I don't want that. I'm at a point in my life where I can say, you know what, I've got a lot I can do, or I can sit on the porch and just rock my rest of my life away, or I can raise my hand and take the bruises and the bumps and all that that goes with it and uh, say, I'm here to make a difference. You know, we were, government was intentionally developed to say, take your vocation, go to Washington, make it a better place, stay for a little while, and then come back to your vocation and continue on. But that's not how it's how it is now. And yeah, we're, um, yeah, we're a long ways away from that, aren't we? It's, uh, yeah, amazing. My I'm, goodness. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge history buff and I, I read a lot about our founding fathers and the way, way it was designed. Our government was originally designed and it, it, I think it's frustrating for, for not just for us, but for pharmacists and community pharmacies and, and just people that are, that, you know, president Trump talked about the forgotten men and women. And I think, I think you're seeing that more than ever. Uh, you're seeing you're seeing people uh, use the system, and it's, and it's not just healthcare. I mean, it's people abuse the system for their advantage, and then that leaves a whole class of people that are just completely forgotten about. And uh, you know, you know, Diana, I think pharmacists. What Joe brought up, I think we're seeing that now. Pharmacists, you know. We, we, we watched a video of, of, of people in a distribution center being recognized. And my brother and I were like, that should pharmacy, that should be, somebody should be in a pharmacy doing that. Showing how people, totally. how pharmacists are keeping people out of hospitals right now, out of doctor's offices and uh, are allowing these much needed resources to be, to, to, to treat the COVID-19 patients. And, oh yeah, you know, so I think that, let me, let me ask you. So we're, we're we're talking about hope and future, and and I can I can sense that this hope and this future of pharmacy it's in you, it's ingrained in you. And we talked about at Waypoint. We had a meeting this morning with our staff about rising up to the challenge, about stepping up. This is the challenge of our lifetime. COVID nineteen has helped us see see what our challenge and what our purpose is in this whole thing, and we're going to step up and rise to the challenge. So, what are three what are three things? If I'm a pharmacist. And you're trying to convince me to vote for you or any constituent in your, in your, um, in your district, what are three things you want to accomplish when you get, a, get to Washington? Well, um, as far as it comes to community and those small business owners, they are drowning with these PBM and DIR fees. Okay. Uh, these, we, we need PBM reform and DIR fee elimination. And, uh, you know, there's uh, a couple of new studies out. And, um, I mean, it, it really tells you exactly the depth of what we're going through right now. There's two new reports, and uh, it talks about how DIR fees have skyrocketed by 1,600% in the last five years. You know, there's over, they've taken over $9.1 billion 
dollars away from pharmacies. And uh, these PBMs are big business. And so we have to get a handle on regulation of those systems. Um, you know, when the three largest PBMs manage drug benefits for around 90% of Americans that have prescription drug coverage, that's, that's a little scary. Um, and each of these companies generally have a revenue uh, exceeding $15 billion. So they're virtually unregulated at the state or the federal level. And, uh, you know, they're basically funded by taxpayer dollars. So that has to change. And, uh, you know, the, the fees that they, they charge and how they do it, the spread, you know, um, like I say, it's skyrocketed over the last five years. Uh, the PBMs are profiting from DIR fees, and they're, it, honestly, this is a shocking number. It's in excess of 500% pres prescription, per prescription. And, uh, you know, that loophole in the program allows these health plans and PBMs to pocket that excess money. And instead of offsetting the prescription costs for the seniors, it was uh, implemented to do. So, yeah, yeah. so that's pretty shocking, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's a huge, that's, that's one of the first things that have to be addressed. And I know there's legislation right now to do that, um, you know, and just health care reform in general. You know, our area, and I don't know if, if you know this or not, but East Tennessee, Southwest Virginia, part of Kentucky, our district, has just one healthcare system now. It's the largest COPA in U.S. history. And uh, what we have to do, listen, you guys know in the financial work world that competition makes everything better. The ultimate winner is the consumer, and we need to allow insurance companies to compete across state lines in order to bring the value that's needed so these people can afford healthcare. Why else would, why wouldn't we want competition? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you know, Diana, I, I, you know, there, if, if I'm, you know, absolutely. We believe competition makes things better. We absolutely hundred percent. Um, we, we are pro competition and why they have not been able to recognize letting insurance companies cross state lines. I don't know. Cause it seems like a, a, a real quick, easy solution to encourage competition and force people to get force companies to get better and, 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 you know, compete and lower, lower the price of healthcare, you know, so ab absolutely. Uh, so uh, that was two things. Is there anything else? I mean, you know, prescription drug prices seem to be in the, uh, in the news, obviously PBMs are contributing to prescription drug prices. I know, I mean, what's your thoughts on, on, uh, on controlling prescription drug prices? Oh, we absolutely have to, you know, being in the compounding world and, it, when we um, compound from um, APIs or um, those are active pharmaceutical ingredients, we know what those chemicals cost. And when we look at what uh, commercial available drugs cost, it's, it's nuts. I mean, we can compound that for pennies versus the hundreds or thousands of dollars that they charge. But that, you know, we're only allowed to compound from what the FDA allows us, the list that they allow us uh, to compound from. So we understand the discrepancy in drug pricing. There's no transparency. When a generic drug goes up seven to 800 percent within a year, there's a problem there. Uh, and one of the issues is we need to have the pharmaceutical manufacturers located in the United States. If, if this COVID hasn't proved anything. This uh, healthcare pandemic has said, hello, it's, it's raised the bar for 
what we've been preaching for 20 years, and that's get the pharmaceutical manufacturers back in this country. When you can't get an antibiotic that is so widely needed and there's a shortage of that because they won't send it or we can't get it, we've preached for years that 80 to 90% of our um, pharmaceuticals come from China and India, and that's not acceptable. So, you know, make it transparent. Just like these PBMs hiding those DIR fees, they've made the statements that you can cut the DIR fees out and we'll just put it in a copay or we'll put it in a premium. We'll, we'll keep that. It's kind of like when you give somebody something, you try to take it away from them once they've had it a while. You can cut your arm off and it'd be easier than trying to take it away. So there has to be... Um, responsibility in making this legislation, but there has to be transparency in the drug system altogether. Absolutely. No, and that's great. I mean, that's great. Uh, Matt, you got anything you want to ask Diana? Well, I, I would, um, I'd say, you know, um, I'm, I'm not a giant fan of too much regulation. Um, so I'm one of those guys who thinks a lot of stuff that comes from DC. Uh, well, the, the, <laughs> less things that happen in D.C., probably the better. But we had the whole New England compounding fiasco a few years ago. Um, so there's a lot of additional regulation that's been placed on compounding pharmacies. Uh, any thoughts or, or comments on that? Oh, yeah. That was one of the worst things that could have happened. You know, that compounder was really disguising manufacturing as a compounding pharmacy in the he has really, that one episode has changed the course of compounding history for us. And uh, you're absolutely right. When it comes, we are very overregulated and underserved. I mean, they don't give us the recognition they should. But right now, one of the uh, things that's happened through this COVID-19 episode is the FDA has really stepped up. And they have, there's drug shortages that these um they can't get things for ventilator drugs. So what the FDA has extra, uh, what they did was exercise uh, general enforcement discretion for 503 and 503B pharmacies. And I don't know if you guys, uh, you know, they've taken compounders and divided them into two different sectors. Traditional compounders are called 503A compounding pharmacies, and they can do non-sterile and sterile. But then there's outsourcing facilities that are called 503B. Uh, pharmacies and those guys have to register as uh, with the FDA as uh, outsourcing facilities or, or basically manufacturers. There, there's so many drug shortages right now that they have allowed the 503B and the 503A um, to distribute those medications. And, and the wonderful thing right now is the thing we've been fighting for for seven years to get the legislat uh, legislature to change is. Let us do the office use like the 503As. Let us give these things to the hospitals or the clinics and then give it. we can get a prescription within a certain amount of time, you tell us. So they've allowed the 503As to step up and supply those medications to the hospitals or the clinics without an immediate prescription. And they, they're giving them the 30 days to obtain that, which is great. And, you know, this is the first time we've ever been allowed to compound anything without a prescription like hand sanitizer. And that's what we're doing here at this pharmacy, giving it to the frontline guys and EMS, the sheriff's departments, police departments, anybody who needs that because they're begging for it. So we've been allowed to do that. The FDA dropped that restriction. And, uh, you know, like I say, these things have been in the works for 
since the, the NECC episode happened. And yes, that DQSA measurement that they sent out was just, it, it killed us. And words matter, dispense mm -hmm. or distribute matters, and or, or matters. Mm -hmm. And being on the board at, um, it was IACP, International Academy of Compounding Pharmacists, it is now uh, APC. I'm telling you, I understand how how important words are in legislation and, and um, we have to be careful. You know, over-regulation, who wants it? Nobody wants it. We want to be safe in what we do, but as pharmacists, that's what we are. You know, in uh, being accredited in all these different uh, components makes us frontline, uh, makes us valuable as a frontline and emergency uh, and essential healthcare worker. Yeah, and, and I think, I think there's room for both. I think there's room for common sense, you know, and appropriate oversight and regulation. I think there's, you know, I think there's room for both. And I think, uh, I think sometimes the pendulum swings so far to the extremes, you know, you know, Diana, that, you know, and, it, and, and when it does, it takes years to unravel everything when, uh, so, so, so I'm happy to hear that, that um, you know, COVID-19, as horrible as that has been for a lot of people in the world, that it's really showing what we can do uh, if we come together and, uh, and, and make really good positive changes, common sense changes to, uh, to, to the healthcare system and what, and what pharmacists and what compounding pharmacists in particular are able to do. So that's extremely encouraging. And, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's something that we need to focus on. So, how do we how do we get behind you? Um, how do people get behind you? How do we find you? And what do you need? What do you need uh, to get to Washington? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, you can certainly go to my website, and I'd love for um, like-minded people to invest in my campaign. The website is www.votediana.com. and um, you know, what, what my goal is, is to make government um, proactive instead of reactive, basically, because, you know, when you're reactive with any kind of legislation, it's not good. And uh, I want these the congressmen and women to become educated about our profession. That's just one aspect. And that's, I'm speaking on a, a, a pharmacist level, but there's so many things for my district that I want to do. But as far as our profession, we have to say this. We have to make changes so we will be considered essential health care forevermore. And that's perfect. That's a great way to, to end, our, end our podcast today. Um, everybody out there, go to www.votediana.com and, uh, and, and help. Let's help. Let's get Diana to Congress. Let's get her to Washington. We need advocates more than ever. Uh, we need to be at the table, not on the menu. Uh, that's um, for the longest time. I think we've been content being on the menu, and um, and and we just can't do that anymore. Uh, Matt, well, I, if, go ahead, Joe. I'd like to say, uh, you know, we as a company and as individuals, Diana, we've we've really shifted our focus to what our purpose is and a purpose-driven life and career. And it's, it's, it's so good to hear that you have a clear purpose. And, and, and I also, you know, would like to say, I, I saw your Easter video and I appreciate that aspect of it too. And I, I, I know when times are going to get tough, if you have a clear purpose, 
uh, unwavering purpose and, and belief that that's going to help you. So I, I greatly appreciate that. Hey, let me tell you, fellas, uh, you know, faith is at the core of everything I do. It's a catalyst for every decision I make. And I want people to understand that. And that's why the first commercial I, I did, the first ad was a faith ad. And uh, it gives people a little glimpse into who I am as a person, being a Sunday school teacher for over 20 years. Wow. And and, and mentoring uh, young people, that's, that's the core of who I am. And, uh, you know, you better have a servant's heart. And that's what we should send to Washington are people who want to serve and do it for the right reasons. And that's, that's what I want to do. Yep. Yep. And as we know, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And, uh, and I think that's, yes. that's, uh, that's that we desperately need more of that in Washington. I can tell you my belief uh, there. So uh, Matt, any other final questions you want to ask Diana before I give her the final last word and we can let her go and, uh, and work on getting to uh, Washington. I don't think so. Just want to say thank you for your time and, and thank you um, for all you're doing on the pharmacy level for your community and for all you're doing um, getting out there fighting, fighting as an advocate for pharmacy across the country. So thank you. Okay. Diane, any last thoughts, words that you want to say, or uh, we can kind of move on and, and you can go uh, do what you need to do. No, just, just remember, um, I'm a fighter. That's why I said when I, they drew my logo up, I said, don't put for Congress. You know, I'm not a politician. I've never held public office. I am a pharmacist, a healthcare professional, a small business owner. I'm an outsider. And, I, I you know, I, I'm Tennessee tough. I just want people to know that. But I didn't just put it on there just to do that. That's yeah. what I'll be here, and that's what I'll be in Washington. Awesome. That's Thank awesome. you so much, guys. Thanks, everybody, for being participating. Diana, best of luck moving forward. Hey, thank you, fellas. Yep, and let us know it. if you need let us know if you need anything. We're here and we are we support independent pharmacy owners and uh and, and we're gonna do everything we can to uh to, to ensure a brighter future for pharmacy. So thanks everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Interested in learning more about maximizing your income and living a financially free lifestyle? Contact the Income Outcome Show today to learn more about your financial possibilities and best practices in managing your money to create opportunities for lasting wealth. Go to PharmacyPodcast.com under the contact section and send us a message and we'll get back to you within 24 hours. Thanks for listening to the Income Outcome Show, a podcast publication part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. 